Almighty God, bless the reading and hearing of your word. Prepare us, Lord, for the journey that is before us. May your word lead us to peace. Your presence give us hope and your love give us joy as we trust in your ways. As your scriptures are read, as your word is heard, let the utterances of our mouths and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit in your holy church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18-25. through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from the dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son and named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we look at learning to trust. And the scripture readings today give us two very different pictures of trust. In Isaiah, we have Ahaz worried about people coming in and invading the kingdom and attacking, and he's worried that he's not going to be able to fend them off. And so the Lord sends Isaiah to him and says, all right, I'm going to help you. And to prove I'm going to help you, I'm going to give you a sign. Whatever sign you want, ask, and I'll do it. Ahaz responds, and his response sounds good at first. He says, no, I'm not going to take a sign. I'm not going to put God to the test. The problem, though, is that he's not going to put God to the test because Ahaz simply doesn't trust God. He only trusts himself. And so he doesn't want a sign because he doesn't need a sign because he's going to rely on his own abilities. The problem is is that he doesn't have the ability needed to fend this off on his own. 
but he refuses to trust that God is going to help. In Matthew, we get a very different picture of trust. We have Joseph, who's having a very, very difficult internal struggle. Because as it says, he's a righteous man. And as a righteous man, he would follow the law explicitly. The problem, though, is that he's found married to be with child, and he doesn't want to publicly shame her. And so he's trying to find a middle ground between his righteousness, which says, shame her in public, because that's what the law says, and trying to do what he thinks is right. And just when he thinks he's found a middle ground where he's going to send her off quietly to not make a scene, an angel comes to him in a dream and says, Look, Joseph, I get it. This isn't what you expected. But this child is of the Holy Spirit. This child is going to be very important, and I need you on board. It's okay to marry her. It's okay to let Mary be your wife. It's okay to take her in. You don't need to send her away. Trust me. I'm going to take care of this. And Joseph wakes up and he goes, okay. Joseph sets aside the law completely. He sets aside tradition completely. Because God's word came to him and he trusted that if God had something that he needed to do, even if it flew against everything that he was taught and everything that he knew was in the law, if it's what God needed, he was going to do it because he trusted that God would take care of him. And so God put trust in Mary and Joseph to be able to raise this child and bring him upright. And Mary and Joseph put trust in God that God would take care of them and see them through whatever troubles came. And as I was reading about this, I started to think about how we learn to trust. Because how we learn to trust usually isn't something that begins with trusting God. It's learning how to trust each other. And we learn to trust God because of that. And we see two very different pictures that Ahaz has no trust at all for anybody but himself and Joseph and Mary who are willing to trust God with whatever he throws at them. And it made me think about the way that I learned how to trust. And since my dad is here this morning, I get to embarrass him by telling a story about him. And it's one about how I learned about building trust and about trusting others. I went to the store with my parents and my three brothers, and there being four of us running around, we were not the easiest thing to keep an eye on at all times. And while we were at the store, I decided I wanted a piece of candy, and I was told no. And I was probably about Simon's age, and so looking up, it was one of those racks that had all the different kinds of candy in it. And you could mix and match and pick. And being about his height, it seemed like this thing was about 12 feet tall. Just full of candy. More candy than anybody could ever eat. And I thought, well, if I just take one, nobody's going to miss it. And so one was snuck into my pocket and we checked out and we left and 
in the car, I snuck it out and I ate it, put the wrapper back in my pocket. And if any of you have siblings, you know that if you got away with something, but you didn't share in the spoils with them, sure enough, they're going to be the first people to rat you out to your parents. Very true of my brothers, they were the first ones to say, he's got a wrapper in his pocket because he took candy. So they sat me down on the couch and I produced the empty wrapper from my pocket and there's this wrapper sitting there and the candy already gone. And What happened next has stuck with me for my entire life. And the thing is, I did not get the biggest grounding I'd ever gotten in my life. I did not get yelled at more than I'd ever been yelled at in my life. Aside from having to sit on the couch and explain what happened, I don't actually remember getting punished. What happened next is that my father looked down at me and he looked at this wrapper and he decided he was going to make things right. And he took that lone candy wrapper and he got back in the car and he drove up to the store and he told them what had happened and paid for the candy that I had stolen and apologized for my actions and took responsibility for what I had done. Being as young as I was, I looked up to my dad with a sense of pride that my dad was the greatest dad ever. And he was the greatest man ever. Except now, my dad was humbling himself before somebody else to make amends for something that I had done wrong. And I realized why people trusted my father. He could have just scolded me and said, well, I guess it's done and I guess it's taken care of and they don't know that you stole it so I guess we're just going to punish you and be on our way with it. But my father knew the truth and he knew that to make sure that people would still trust him that the truth needed to be told. And so he went and he told them the truth. And I realized people trusted my father because he was honest and he would fix wrongs. I had wronged somebody and he righted it. I had been dishonest and he told the truth. And I realized from that moment that building trust is a matter of being willing to tell the truth and being willing to have people trust you so that you can trust others and trusting others so that they can trust you. And that still sits with me because it gave me an example of how important it is to build trust. Because so often all we have is our word. All we have is what we say to others. And people can judge us by our actions and by our words. And if our actions don't match our words and our words don't match our actions, that trust is gone. In this day and age, it is difficult sometimes to be able to find people who are telling the truth. It feels like more and more people 
want to quote Pilate more than anything and ask, what is truth? Facts have become debatable and truth has become almost gone in some places. But I always come back to that moment when I realize that telling the truth and acting on what needs to be done is how you build trust and keep trust. And that that was how I learned to trust, not only in others, but to be able to trust God. Because if God said he was going to do it, I needed to just trust that he was going to make it happen. And if I was going to trust others, I needed to be able to put my faith in them that whatever they said, they were going to do. And this doesn't mean that that faith has never been rattled and that trust has never been shattered. But God teaches us that we can put those things back together. And the thing is that we have to be able to trust each other. Because if we can't trust each other, we can't trust God. Because if we are the body of Christ redeemed by his blood, if we cannot trust the body of Christ, then how can we trust anything? If we cannot put trust in one another to be able to do what God has asked, how can we trust that God is going to get anything done? And we have to be able to put that trust in one another. Because in our Advent journey, we learn about trusting that God knows what he's doing. Even if it seems like the craziest plan in the world, that this poor girl is pregnant with a baby and is going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, and her fiancé almost walks away from her, and that this a baby born to your everyday average couple. born in a little country town, laid in a manger. Christmas teaches us that we trust in these seemingly impossible things because God can make the impossible happen. We trust in these things that seem so unlikely that we'd want to just brush them off because we find that God can make miracles happen. And in this journey we call life, we are reminded that God calls us not to be set apart from one another, but to work with one another. That we trust each other so that we can do God's work, because if we try to do it alone, we fail. But when we band together as the people of God, as the body of Christ, there is nothing that we can't do. And the thing is that if we can't trust each other, we can't trust each other that we will be able to find peace and maintain peace. Because the only way that we can keep peace is to trust that the people around us are also going to help us keep peace. And if we can't trust one another to the future, how do we have hope if we can't trust that we are all building on that same hope and that same future? And if we can't trust one another to share in our joy? How can we truly celebrate our joys if we can't trust that the people around us are going to celebrate us when we need to celebrate? We are called to love one another, and in that love we trust. And it will not always be easy. It will not always seem rational. And quite often it will seem like one of the craziest things to do is to trust another human being. 
But God makes these things happen. And one of the greatest miracles of Christmas is that we come together. We come together with peoples from around the world. Different nationalities, different backgrounds, different everything. But we join together to celebrate the birth of a child that unites us together. That we may celebrate all of those things and that we may trust in each other. That we are one people. That we are of one body. That we are cleansed by one blood and we are brought together by one God that wants to see us all thrive in this journey we call life. To lift each other up. To build each other up in trust. That we help each other in this life. That we trust that the Lord will care for us and guide us into the next. That this happy day we call Christmas reminds us that We trust each other because God puts his trust in us. And we trust God knowing that God has done great things and will continue to do great things in all of our lives. But God also needs us to trust each other to make those things happen. Love one another. Care for one another and trust one another. That we build a brighter future. One of peace, of hope, of joy, of trust, and of love. Because no matter where we go and no matter what we do, we have our Emmanuel, God with us. Every step of the way, every leg of that journey, no matter how difficult, God brings us together that we are never alone and that we are never without somebody to trust. Amen.